Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. I am doing something a little different with the podcast. I am bringing you a special 12-part series, and in the series... I sit down with three presentation and communication experts to tackle some of the biggest presentation questions we receive from our audiences. The experts are global communications expert, Monique Russell, Robert Honorado, who's a director of education and a professional speaker. And then there's Diana Howells, an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and global virtual trainer. You can check out their bios at the end of each show, but for now, tune in and take notes. This is going to be a good one. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, and today I have with me Diana Howells. Diana, welcome to the show. Oh, great to be here, Bridget. Yes, I'm excited. This is your encore presentation with the show or encore appearance with the show. And it's going to be a really good conversation because we had such a good conversation last time. Now, we're going to tackle a terrific question that you share with me, and that is what should an effective introduction and close include? Now, you know, I have strong opinions. <laughs> And listeners have heard my mouth run about this at nauseum. <laughs> I'm going to let you take the lead with what does a great introduction look like for, should we say any presentation or? Yeah, I, I think we should say any presentation, right? And I know our listeners are thinking it's so important how we start and how we end kind of the bookend of any speech or any um presentation. So I think one of the most important things, and Bridget, I know you have really um, helpful things to say about opening a speech too, is I always like to think about it as a hook. So that first thing you say out of your mouth is a hook. And our listeners know that we have very little time to make a good first impression and to really encourage people to think I want to stay listening. So, you know, it's like a couple seconds really to make that first impression. So the most important thing I would say is that important hook that draws people in. And uh, Bridget, I know you have a lot to say about the tendency of people is to drone on and on and on about their qualifications and their education and their introduction. People don't care about that, right? What would you say, Bridget? Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, and I guess because I am always one of those people who will say the same thing, people don't care about that. Yeah. And you yeah. have some people who will say, but wait a minute. I worked really hard for my credentials. I busted my chops to get my degree, my certifications or what have you. They're going to listen to my accomplishments. They're going to listen to this bio. It, they should care. So when we say they don't care, what we're saying is in that moment, the session started at 11 a.m. And in this moment, your title indicates you're going to talk about X, Y, Z, and that is what they want to hear. Sure, they can go check out your bio or your resume elsewhere. Right. But yep. in that moment, 
they don't care. <laughs> You've got to give them a reason to listen. You've got to give them a reason to lean and scooch to the edge of their seats. I mean, we kind of gave you a hook by starting off with giving you the question that we're going to answer today. And we're going to give you some, I think some strategies that you can use immediately with your next presentation. Absolutely. And you know, you look at other examples in the world of how we've been baited or hooked and we stay listening. And you can think about like the news anchor, right? Before they go to a commercial break, they say, when we come back, we're going to talk about da, 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 da. And you're like, oh, I was going to go do something else, but now I have to stay and listen. Or you're reading a book and at the last uh, bottom of that page, you read something that makes you turn the page. So it's the same kind of thing, right? We are hooking our audience and we're just always cognizant of that, right? It's like a teaser. It's it's like a teaser. Why should they turn over their power to you for the next 30 minutes, the next 60 minutes? Why in the world should they give you their most precious commodity time and let you run with it? And so you have to be very respectful of it. So within your your opening words in the first few seconds, you have to let your audience know what they will know or be able to do by the end of your presentation. And this goes for a keynote, a workshop, a training, a breakout session. It does not matter what it is. You have to make sure that you are telling them the why behind this presentation, why that should, why they should listen. And it's because use the phrase that pays. It's because you tell them by the time we're done, you will know fill in the blank. And that has to be very intentional. Yes, absolutely. And you know, that whole thing about the why, right? As adults and as adult learners, or even in an adult audience, we are so um, motivated by hearing that why. And so once we touch that cord of motivation and they say, I want to know that, then we've captured their focus. We've captured their attention. They're going to sit up a little bit more in their seat and on the edge of their seat. And we do have to keep that going, uh, right, Bridget, as we go, but for sure, in those first few moments, right, it's all about um, credibility, curiosity, qualifications, hook, the why, all of that is so important. You know, you said a couple of things, keeping a promise, delivering on what you guarantee they would get. So it's not enough to just start the presentation and say, you know, by the time we're done, you're going to know this, this, and this, and then you deliver them that, that, and that. You don't deliver on the promise that you make. So if you tell people that they're going to know how to be smarter real estate investors and they're going to know the secrets of the, you know, most whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then you actually have to give them that. And then something else you said, Diana, was the credibility piece. Mm -hmm. People oftentimes think that reading of a bio at the start of a presentation builds or creates credibility, or they think that giving this rundown of accomplishments is what establishes a speaker's credibility. And that could not be further from the truth. You establish your credibility with your audience by immediately demonstrating for them that you know your content and that you can transfer learning, that you can teach them or at least, put, at least put them in a position where they believe that they can do whatever it is you're sharing with them, that they can be, that they can create, that they can become what you've promised them that they can be, create, or become. So if 
in those opening words, you make a promise, you mm-hmm. paint a picture of the future for them, what mm-hmm. could be if they lean in and listen to this presentation, and That's then right. if you deliver it in a way where it demonstrates that you're not up there shooting from the hip and winging it, that is how you establish your credibility. Would you agree, Diana? Absolutely. And you know, I can't tell you the number of times where people have said, I went to a presentation and it wasn't anything like what the description said, or they didn't address the one item, which is why I went because I saw it in the bio. So it is. And that's part of credibility too, right? I trust that what you say you're going to talk about is what you're going to address. But I love what you said too, Bridget, about kind of the idea of being there, your presence in that moment as you are displaying your experience, your expertise, your knowledge, and all of that, your credibility. That is alive and fresh. A written bio that you read, which you certainly can read on your own beforehand. It's not alive. It's not alive in the moment. It's 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 dead in a way. It's the written word, right? So when you are there in the moment, it's like going to see a live band. You're so excited because you're there in person. We we want to focus direction, right? Right on that. How did you get to this understanding? I mean, Diana, did you, were you just born knowing how not to start a presentation the wrong way? Like, how did you get to this point? Well, we could ask our, our listeners that as well. I'd like everyone to kind of think about that. And Bridget, you you should think about that too. We can hear from you in, in a little bit. But I think for me, I've seen enough presentations that were disappointing, or I've learned from experience by trial and error as well. So, you know, a lot of it is the experience of going through that. And then I think what's most helpful for me is being in that audience seat, right? I always like to think, as Bridget knows, about being that audience member. I'm there. It's empathy for your audience. And just knowing what you want as an audience member is what you want to deliver as a presenter. So what is that experience like for them? How can you get them baited? How can you Uh, deliver on your promise? How can you avoid starting with somebody going on and on about all of their achievements? We want to get right to the meat. How about you, Bridget? So it's very much aligned with what you said at the end there. I used to comply and give my moderator or point of contact or whomever, a nice little intro to read for me, or they would surprise me and they would show up with some long intro (laughs) right there, gotten off on. And I would find myself kind of standing over in a corner, kind of standing to the side, waiting for them to finish. And Diana, I didn't know what to do. I, it it felt so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Why do I look at the person while they're reading or do mm-hmm. I look at the audience? Do I just kind of look down at my feet? It just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I, I don't know, it, I felt almost like I was gloating, gloating or so, like, I just didn't like it. No, it, was, it didn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It, I just, and I didn't like the fact that I felt like we were wasting time. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? How can you turn this around? <laughs> How can you take control of this? Because you're you're not liking it. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to feel confident and ready and yeah. fired up before a presentation. Yeah. And that brought me 
down, Diana. Mm, and think so, about that. That's how you're starting, right? You don't want to get up there yeah. and be down when you're starting. So in those 10 seconds from walking over from that corner to the stage to mm -hmm. assume my power position, yes, I'm having to find some kind of way to reboot rebuild the confidence that I had before they started reading that intro I had to find you <laughs> in those that very short walk and I'm just like okay you've got this so anyway <laughs> I didn't like it and I said I'm going to start taking control of this I just am yeah, and so yeah. I and and I know this is we're kind of talking about a couple of different things here people introducing you slash the start of your presentation yes. and what's effective intro, but it all comes together, especially based on what I was just sharing about how I felt as mm -hmm. I'm sitting into this reading. So what I started doing was one, just telling people either don't read an intro whatsoever, just say, here's Bridget. Yeah. Or how about you don't even have to do that. I will start the show. There you go. Or we have some people where they're like, no, I need an intro for you. Okay. I will write it for you. Mm -hmm. And and then they get it, Diana. And it's only like one or two sentences. Yeah, it's nice and, and short. Right. They're looking confused like, uh, this is it. Is yeah, this is all I say. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. And usually it's something like Bridget McGowan is an award-winning international professional speaker, author, and publisher. And she loves beautiful sunsets. And that's mm -hmm. like it. <laughs> <laughs> and really that's enough. That's enough. Right. And then here we go. Here we go. And yeah. did you notice the shift internally in you? Like it felt, oh. yeah. So walking up, you're full of dynamism again. And then, you know, um, as your listeners know, it's all about energy is contagious, right? So if Bridget yeah. can shine her best, the audience is going to feel that and they're going to shine too. And I'm immediately giving them value, Diana. I didn't feel like that yeah. one minute, two minute reading was giving the audience anything of value. And I felt like I was disrespecting their time mm -hmm. by not using every single minute they had given me to the fullest. Right. I, I felt like it was just disrespect yeah. to not to not just go on and dive into the content. And then in terms of how I start my presentations, there are either some rhetorical questions mm -hmm. or I'm painting a picture. Mm -hmm. I'm painting a picture of the past. And this is what I mean. I'll yeah. start a presentation. Let's say it's one on presentation skills. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so I might start a presentation along the lines of, there are some people you could just lean in and listen to for hours on end. And you see them up there on the stage. You hear them on the microphone and you're like, man, why can't I have that? <laughs> That's painting a picture of the past. That's yeah. what it was before you got in my presentation. Then I shift and I say, but what if you have a strategy? What if you had clear, easy to use tools that you can put in place today to yeah. make presentations better? I'm painting you a picture of the present right now because that's what I'm going to give you in this session. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, my money, uh, my, my money phrase, my phrase that pays, I say, by the time we're done with this session, mm -hmm. you're going to know this, this, and this, and you'll be able to do this, this, and this. And then I say, my name is Bridget McGowan. I help professionals be the most engaging, dynamic, incredible communicators ever. And so I give you a reason to listen. 
I paint mm-hmm. a picture of where you were before you came in here, a picture of where you're going to go while you're in here. And then mm-hmm. I paint a picture of the future. By the time we're done, 60 minutes from now, this is what you're going to be able to do in your next presentation tomorrow, next week, forever and ever. And I do all of that before I even give you my name. I give you a reason to listen. By painting a picture of the past, Diana, yeah. I'm telling you that I get it. I get it. You see some folks and you're like, how are you crushing it like that? I want to know how to do that. I'm letting you know that I I know where you're coming from. And then I'm letting you know, I'm going to respect your time and that this is what you're going to be able to do here. And then I'm letting you know that I care about giving you news you can use, about giving you content that has utility in that I'm telling you in the future, when you leave out of here, your presentations will be forever changed. That's how you start a presentation. And, and, and it doesn't matter the kind. You want to be transformative. You don't yeah. have to do what I do with the past, present, future thing. But it's just nice and easy. And it's <laughs> but Love it. <laughs> I love that. And you know, it's beautiful. And so even our listeners today too, you might think about if you've seen a TED Talk, you've seen that example, right? Where they set the context and then said, ask the question, as Bridget mentioned, but what if you could, and there's a beautiful bait right there. So, so many strategies to use at the beginning, whether it's a rhetorical question or whether it's a startling statistic or whether it's quotation or a really punchy uh, story that's relevant or um, just setting the stage, right? So that we stay listening and we decide that internally as an audience. So Diana, we've spent a a, a bit of time talking about the effective intro. Yeah. Out the outro or the conclusion, what are the hallmarks of a great one? Yeah. So I think the way I like to think about a closing or some people call it conclusion is there's kind of a couple main parts. It's always helpful for adults to summarize, right? Your main points, not that you would say them verbatim, but to paraphrase them in some way. So there is some type of a summary. And sometimes you can even use audience participation to allow everyone as a group, right, to review and have a bit of a summary of those key things. And of course, if there's an action to take, it's important to make that crystal clear so that people know um, the action. But at the very end, I always like to end with what I call, Bridget, a big bang. So it can be something like how you started, which is sort of the bookend, right? So if you started with, let's say, a really famous quotation from Maya Angelou, um, you'd circle back and you'd bring that up again. Exactly. So that creates the bookend, but something that's so memorable, almost like a peak event that um, it really leaves people on a very high impression. So almost like the recency effect, right? Where some people remember most what happened the most recently. So you're really leveraging that too, but coming up with really powerful ways to go come in, but also to go out. What are your thoughts? I love the bookend piece and the circling back. And I do it in a way that's kind of self-serving. Let me tell you, (laughs) tell you people who are in my audience, they're probably thinking, oh my gosh, this lady is just baiting us along (laughs) and doing all kinds of playing tricks with our minds. So this is what I like to do. Mm -hmm. So after I do my opening and tell you my name, and then I give you the agenda, I tell you exactly what we're going to cover and exactly what you're going to know how to do. What I do in my bookend or circling back at the end is I will, there's a couple of different things, but here's one that is pretty much a mainstay. Mm -hmm. I will end with 
my promise to you today was you would know how to do this, 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 and this. And so I'm giving them a checklist and reminding them of what I promised you at the start. Mm. Then I'm also kind of shining this light on me, suggesting, oh, look, Bridget made a promise and she kept it to you. So it's a little self-serving, but at the same time, it's a reminder of what you should have learned Mm. today. And if you feel like you didn't learn it, let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. I also like to give something of a call to action as well, because I'll give you the list of promises that I made or what you should have learned. And then I'll say, now let's discuss your next steps. And maybe in the course of the session, we talked about what are the three things you must do at the start of every presentation, or what's the one question you should never ask, or what's a great way or five great ways to create great audience engagement. So maybe your next steps are decide out of the five techniques I gave you for creating great audience engagement, which two you'll put into your next presentation, write that down now. Mm -hmm. Or I'll tell you, go get a copy. Maybe it's a conference that's selling my bookstore. Go Mm -hmm. get your copy of Real Talk. It has everything in it that I discussed today. And then some, Mm -hmm. go get it, read cover to cover. Or I'll tell them that Uh, especially if I'm doing a faculty development workshop, which I did one in Fort Valley, uh, Georgia in January of 2023. I tell them they're to depart. Their ticket to leave class is they've got to give me a question that they still want answered about whatever the topic is. So it's a number of different things. But I always loop it back to what was the promise of today's session? Here's what you're going to go do as a result of what you learned today, Mm -hmm. here's, you know, what you need to work on, or here's what I need to work on by answering these questions via my blog or via newsletters that I send out in the coming weeks. So a number of things, but it's always about putting that button on it. So they're not like, okay, that was a great 60 minutes. What do I do now? (laughs) Give them the next Exactly. It's brilliant because if we wait for them to go and do it on their own, they are likely not going to do it on their own. If they do it in that moment when they still have heightened awareness, right? And if Bridget is advising them to do, what are the two steps you're going to do? They write down, they make a commitment, then all they have to do, right, is be reminded of that once they leave. So if they don't do it there, they likely won't do it later, which is is, you know, really important to know. And I think the other thing too, for speakers who are listening in our audience today, if you look at the evaluation data, you know, and your evaluations say, well, you, you didn't really talk about what you were going to, or I really didn't get any action steps, or it really wasn't in sync with what I thought it would be. When you are doing what Bridget's talking about at the end, where you circle back and said, I promised you, you're going to see evaluation data that says that was exactly what I needed. That was exactly what I expected to get, Right. Here's a secret, another secret of mine. So when I'm putting together my presentation, I go back to that session description. I go back to what I submitted and I go through it in every single sentence. I say to myself, I've got to deliver on every single one of these. And fingers crossed if there were maybe four promises or five promises that I said that people would walk away with knowledge about from the session. If there's one in there where I'm like feeling kind of meh about it, (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can 
gloss by it, but try your very best to give them the bulk of what you promised you would do. I use that as the foundation Mm. of creating my entire presentation, whether it's the slide deck, the talking points, the research, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I encourage everyone to do. And when you're putting together your description, don't make promises that you know you can't fulfill or that you can't deliver on. So good. So good. And you know, what I like to do too, is I like to challenge myself to come up with one simple, clear statement that summarizes, right? The whole presentation. So I call that the thesis statement, but that thesis statement, which is also going to be present in a motivating way for the audience in the intro, but also in the outro. So re-emphasizing that, but it really helps you kind of hone in on what is the foundation? What is the whole premise for this whole thing um, in one simple statement, which sounds easy to do, but it's hard to do. But once you have that, um, it's, it, it helps your clarity, helps your purpose, helps so many things. It, it really does, Diana. I love how you call it a thesis statement. I mean, we all English courses. Yeah. And that was where you started. That was the premise where you yeah. started your research paper uh, for, for, for class. Oh, I love that. And like you said, it accomplishes so much. And here's yeah. something that I didn't talk about earlier that I'm huge on. When you start your presentation in, in such a clear, intentional way, yes, giving the audience a reason to listen, guess what it does, Diana? It causes the disruption, the agitation, the frustration, the distractions, the sidebar conversations, the crazy Mm -hmm. questions, the disruptive behavior. It causes all of that to go down Mm -hmm. and listening goes up. When you give me that thesis statement, when Mm -hmm. you give me that one liner that tells me exactly why I should bother to listen to you, Mm-hmm. It causes any kind of annoyance that I may have had because you'll have people in your session where they don't want to be there. Their boss made them go or whatever. Right. It causes that that ugliness, for lack of a better word, to kind of stay at bay, that disruptive behavior, mm-hmm. because you have this nice little built in audience audience management tool with that thesis statement. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So like yesterday, for example, we were um, presenting on disc behavioral styles, like the different disc behavioral styles, you know, and, and we were very clear about we're going to really challenge you to think differently about how to make a shift right internally, so that you can understand others. Um, before you understand yourself in terms of right our behaviors and our conditioning. So you really just kind of focus on what is that that main purpose. And then your main points can come out of that foundational thesis as well. Exactly. Exactly. It just makes it so much easier. You almost want to approach your presentation as you would an English paper. And I know people are out there, you're cringing because you <laughs> felt like you, you left that freshman comp class <laughs> on the campus of XYZ University. I hear you. I feel you. But it's, I, I think it's just so much easier when you're trying to figure out how do you organize it. And mm-hmm. you can use that formula, that idea mm-hmm. of a research paper or or paper, whatever. You can use that for, it doesn't matter if it's a keynote, breakout, whatever, right? Where you have that thesis statement, that central mm-hmm. idea, one that sentence, mm-hmm. thing, one sentence. Yep. And you can even use my phrase, 
what they'll know or be able to do by the end mm-hmm. of your set. Figure that out. Make yep. that the center of your wheel and then brainstorm. What are the what what are the 10 things I could teach them? But then you got to narrow it down mm-hmm. because unless you've got a three-day workshop opportunity, right. you're not going to cover 10 things in a 60-minute session or what have you. Exactly. But what are all the things that are associated with this central theme? Mm-hmm. And then which are the ones where I used to, I, I like to use gold, silver, bronze nuggets. What are the gold nuggets? These are the two to three things where if that's all the time in the world that I have yep. is, you know, whatever. And if they walk away with nothing else, these are the two to three things they must have. Those are my gold nuggets, silver right. nuggets are five to six additional nice to haves. And then the bronze are everything else. If we had all the time in the world to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So organize it like that and approach it like, sorry, like a research paper. Yeah. And that really helps you figure out what is my intro? How do I pull them in? And then how do I wrap it up? Come back to the promise you made or the quote or some wonderful anecdote or some big aha moment to put a button on it. Right. You know, Carmen Simon in her book, she talks about the 10% that usually, you know, an audience will remember kind of that, that 10%. And so repetition, right. So that we say it over and over again in different ways, but really sticks with people. And when I hear you talking about the the gold, right. I think of that, that 10%, make sure absolutely they walk away. If they walk away with nothing else, they walk away with this. And, you know, as we are presenting to, there's almost always some kind of persuasive undertone. We're usually influencing in some way, even if we say it's just informative, there usually is still some persuasive uh, undertones in there. So really being clear in you about what you are about. And then as Bridget said, if you have that intention and you make it super clear, you are so much more likely to hit it. Yeah, yeah. And I love the 10% point, Diana. For some reason, it made me think about, you know, something that I say often where the audience is never listening at 100% capacity, Mm. 100% of the time to 100% of what you say or something to that effect. That's people, right? Yes. That's That's people. And the reason we chose this, this question of how do you create great, intros and conclusions to your presentation is because that's what people will oftentimes remember most. That's Mm -hmm. part of that 10%. They'll remember how you open, or that's the point in which you probably have your most captive audience is in those opening minutes and those closing minutes. And if you nail them both, Mm -hmm. giving them value, making yourself memorable, creating curiosity, making it creative, Pick anything, <laughs> something to make it memorable, and oh, and you set them on fire. I can just go on down the line. Yeah, crush that, that opening and closing. I even talk about that mm-hmm. with practicing your presentations. If yeah. you don't have the time to go through the whole presentation, don't tell me. But if you don't have the time to go through the <laughs> presentation and practice the way I insist on practicing, at least nail the opening and And the closing. closing. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And Bridget, my favorite line of yours is 
my hotel room has heard this presentation three times because listeners, Bridget says, make sure you practice your presentation at least three times, right? So the hotel room walls for sure. But yeah, so important. And I tell, I tell people too, you know, when you're writing your presentation and you have kind of your clear central idea and you come up with your, your main points and you're working on the gold and the silver and the bronze, and you're working on the body of the presentation, I recommend writing that first. Don't worry about the intro and conclusion yet. So you get the meat and then, you know, the summary and the closing will come to you after you've written the body. So uh, later you write the closing, but I tell people write that intro last. That's the first thing you do. You want to come out with a bang. Um, so that's kind of the order that I recommend people work on their projects in. Reverse engineering it, Diana. Yeah, yeah. I really like that where you're you're nailing down the substance, the meat of it, yeah. and then you take what you've pulled together to create this outstanding opening. What what exactly. else do what else do listeners need to know about you know creating fantastic introductions and conclusions? Oh my goodness, there's so much, but hopefully we've given them uh, quite a bit to process here about how you approach it, what it should include, um, thinking about your audience, like all of those things come together. And um, that's a, just a great way to start. Yeah, yeah, hands down. And I, I know nine times out of 10, not nine times out of 10, I know there's a chapter in my book, Real Talk on the one and only way to ever start your presentation. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. Uh, not a chapter, but a section in maybe chapter four. And uh, I'm telling you, get it, read it. Because I tell you, <laughs> to start your presentation. And it pretty much, pretty much encapsulates everything that I've said here today. But uh, grab that, read that. That's your, that's your call to action, listener. Because we always want to make sure we give you something to do your next steps. Go get a copy of that book. Diana, what's the and title I, of your book? They need a copy of yours as well. Oh, yes. So my book is called Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation. And so we have, uh, in there we talk about sort of uh, when you are presenting in an instructional or educational way, so through training, but also being online. So having on-camera competency and how to come across online and and how to do it in the modern world. But I do have a copy of uh, Bridget's book, Real Talk, right now in my hand, and I'm looking at chapter four, and I do see uh, the subline that says, open with power and close the deal, considerations for how to effectively start and conduct a presentation. So make sure you check that, that out. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, Diana, this has been a blast. I trust that the listeners feel the exact same way. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can't wait for our next conversation. Thank you so much, Bridget. Great to be with you. Awesome sauce. And thank you to the listeners. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. Diana L. Howells, MA, is an award-winning speaker best-selling author on Amazon, and a global virtual trainer who brings more than 20 years of experience in the learning industry. As a world-class facilitator, she has trained Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies, such as Merck and Nikon, as well as government clients like the FDA, U.S. Customs, and the USDA. And she has facilitated virtual programs in more than a dozen countries. She is the author of the best-selling 2022 book, Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation. 
Diana is currently CEO of Howells Associates, LLC, and a popular speaker at international conferences and events. 